This is Talkin' Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talkin' Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Blacktail Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start Talkin' Mule Deer. Welcome back to Talking Mule Deer. I'm Steve Belinda. And I'm Jody Stemmler. And today we have a really special guest. We've got Mark Duda from Responsive Management. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're really excited to have you. Mark, uh, I've known Mark for, you know, uh, don't want to date either, don't, don't want to date either of us. I'm, I'm celebrating 30 years with responsive management, so it's okay. It it, so I've only known you for five. But okay. <laughs> no, yeah. no, at least uh, two decades of that. Um, and you are an expert in what's known as human dimensions of wildlife management, which is a big, fat-sounding concept. But the idea is simply understanding how people think, the social aspects of conservation, of management, of hunting and shooting. So tell the us. The Sigmund Freud. Of <laughs> <hunting>. <laughs> he explains to us what people are thinking, but but, but it's it, you know we all know about opinion polls um, sure. during election cycles. Is that a little bit about what you do? We do. We do the people side of conservation, and um, people think of it as being something new, but it but it really isn't. The the concept actually goes back to Aldo Leopold, considered the father of wildlife management. And Leopold was a biologist biologist. You know, he wrote the first book on wildlife management called Game Management. Most people have read Sand County Almanac. I've got them both. You've got them both, yeah. and you've read them both, and they've inspired us. But there's something really interesting that he wrote later on in his career um, about wildlife issues. He said that the problem of wildlife management is not how we should handle the game. The real problem is one of human management. Wildlife management is comparatively easy. Human management is difficult. Absolutely. And so we focus in on the, the people side of conservation. You know, it's funny you say that, Mark, because my first wildlife class in, uh, at Penn State, uh, when you finally get to take a specialty, you know, the professor in the first five minutes said, managing wildlife is fairly easy. It's managing people that are going to be tough. And he, and he looked right at the class and he goes, in your careers, the problems are going to be with the people management, not with the wildlife. Yeah, and he was exactly right. Um, we know how to manage wildlife. We know how to bring back mule deer. We know what habitat issues are. And if you think about the sort of the traditional view of fish and wildlife management, think of it as a triangle. And wildlife managers are in the middle of that triangle. And there's wildlife populations there's wildlife habitats, and then on that third, there's people. There's the people side of conservation. And, and we've always maintained for 30 years plus that the people side of conservation should be um, approached in that same scientific, deliberate, and orderly process that we manage wildlife and manage habitats. In the old days, we would be very scientific with wildlife management, habitat management. But when it came to people, people would, oh, I think they think this. I think they think that. I, somebody called me up, you know, a director of a fish and wildlife agency said, I went to a public meeting. But that's not a scientific way of gathering what's really out there. We would never do that with wildlife. So it's crazy that we would do it with people. Because if people are the most important part, we should be just as scientific in our approach. Well, on the flip side of that, is when we're trying to convince someone, we think the scientific methodology and flooding data and you know, it's going to influence people's opinion, and it's really yeah. not the case. Well, it, and I, and I think a that's point. very important. Yeah. I was going to say is 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 not only is it understanding what they're thinking, but understanding how to talk to them about it. What what resonates? How they'll they understand what we're trying to tell them and make it relevant. Go back 
thousands of years to Aristotle, he said, you don't convince people with just the facts. You have to have ethos, pathos, logos. You not only have to have the facts and make a good argument, but you have to be credible. And you also need to show the emotional side of things, to show that you care about things. Nobody cares more about wildlife conservation than the people here, um, wildlife biologists, wildlife managers, hunters, anglers. And sometimes we come across as being sort of too um, scientific, if you will, your, your very point in terms of, of making that argument. But a good argument is made on all of this. You have to have the credibility. You've got to have the facts, which we do. But you also have to show people you care. So that's, that's uh, I think, what you're referring to is what they call a high EQ, emotional intelligence right now. Yeah. You really have to understand, I, you know, and contrary to Jody's belief, you know, I do get to talk to a lot of people. I tell them, it's not what I say, it's what they hear. And I can tell the sky is blue, but if they think it's green, I'm not going to convince them the sky is blue because they're, you know, they have maybe a different understanding of what that means. Well, what a great point. What, what might convince yourself on something or what you think is the most important argument might not be what, what people hear. You, you, said, you said something recently that I, I wrote down um, and, and that I think is, is pretty relevant. If you can control the language, you can control the conversation. And so being able to understand what your words mean, what there, there's different meanings on how we rephrase different things. And so that's an important thing. And I think it's something our listeners really could value from some of the new research that you've done recently of how can you communicate about hunting and conservation that somebody who doesn't live it and breathe it and understand it would, would understand. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, part of what we do, we, we do a, a wide range of, of research from participation studies to what hunters think about various things. I was just, just came back from um, South Dakota, um, excuse me, in North Dakota, and we were studying what residents there thought of a nest predator bounty program. So we do so a full range of, of how people value wildlife, what people think and feel and know. But one of the things that we've done recently that I think is just so important is that whole idea of how people think about hunting and about shooting. Um, you know, we, we talked about things as they relate to to how people hear things. And, and I, I love some of these uh, sort of differences of pro-choice versus pro-abortion, undocumented worker versus illegal alien, assault rifle versus modern sporting rifle, gun control laws versus gun safety laws. And those are things that if you think that we're talking about the same thing, but for some it resonates positive and some it resonates negatively. So the way you negatively. say it, so some, way you say it is, is important. I mean, that whole term that you're implying something that you're not. Exactly. I have that argument with my wife all the time. I didn't mean the way you heard it, yeah. but that's, you know, context is it, relative to the person that's hearing what you're saying. Yeah, it's so the first part of the study was, or, or a consistent something else that you've done, is j big picture what American public thinks about hunting and shooting and, and outdoor sports. So, so give us just sure. a few of the top lines of that information, and then let's talk about how to communicate that, because you're finding that and consistently most of America supports hunting, they supports do. shooting. They do. Um, to date myself, we, not in the dating sense. <laughs> I was like, how do you do that? My <laughs> wife's like, gosh. Um, we've been following public attitudes and public opinion on hunting since the early 1990s. So literally almost 30 years worth of, of research. And what we see is we, it's, it's pretty consistent. Um, upwards of about 78, 79, 80% of the public supports what we call legal regulated hunting. And the reason we call it legal regulated hunting is because words matter. 
if you say to somebody who doesn't think about any of this stuff at all, a non-hunter in commuting in New Jersey or Arizona or something, and is, is quite um, removed from regular wildlife, they might think of hunting not what you do. And in, in the old days, people used, to, we, people used to do surveys in the 80s and get very high levels of negativity toward hunting. You would go to talk to those people in focus groups or public meetings that say, yeah, I don't, I don't support the, the poaching of rhinos in Africa. And you think, well, n- that's not what we're talking about. Well, and, and that's not what we're talking about, legal, regulated absolutely. hunting. Absolutely. And there's, it's used regularly. I've read it in a number of places in modern, you know, in, 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 in mainstream media. The, these animals were hunted nearly to extinction. They, they, they say were poached. They were poached. <laughs> these were not yeah. killed. If you're, you know, legally managing regulated hunting seasons, we've n- no species has ever gone extinct because of legally yep. regulated hunting and, seasons. And that's what we're talking about. That's yes. what we're talking about. Is legal regulated hunting. So, so words do matter, even in survey research, right. to get at the heart of things. You might, you all might be talking about what do you think about hunting, and you think about mule deer hunting under very specific seasons and regulations. Someone else is thinking hunting. Oh, rhino poaching. It was hunted almost to extinction or whatever. So words do matter. And so when we measure opinion, we measure legal regulated hunting. That um, get about eighty percent of Americans who. 80%. About 8 out of every 10. Wow. But, but that's, it's, it's conditional rather than totally support it. There's conditions. Where do we see that drop? Species, by motivation, um, by different types, even types of um, firearms and such. Let's take the most basic one. Let's talk about hunting of deer versus maybe hunting of a predator like a mountain lion. You see 80, 85% support for deer hunting. That drops to 20, 30 percent, about 35 percent for black bear. So all of a sudden you have overall support for hunting, but it can shift around. And think about motivation, hunting for food, 85, 90 percent, hunting for a trophy, 29 percent. So the way that we talk about hunting um, is incredibly important. And think how the anti-hunters have gathered the narrative when it comes to hunting no matter what it is no matter what it is it's always trophy hunting a starving family in kentucky goes hunting for deer to feed their kids in what is hsusa that's trophy hunting it's all they talk about trophy hunting because they know that that support declines dramatically so again we need to be better about that by species by motivation um, even things like hunting behind a high fence or something, all of those things come into account to bring that number up or down. So we need to be careful about the messages that we send to people. Well, and it's important not just to talk to somebody who um, who may be on the fence of whether they support, but it may also be important because you may be able to find somebody who might be interested in pursuing it themselves, but just don't understand, and you start having that conversation with them, and they go, you know what, I kind of have always wanted to try it myself. So that helps on the other side of introducing new people to hunting and shooting as well. Think about some famous people who hunt. I mean, think about, you you think sometimes of of Facebook users not being hunters. Person who founded Facebook is an avid hunter. Zuckerberg hunts. Zuckerberg loves to eat what he kills. He says, animals taste better when you hunt it themselves. And so but those messages just don't get out enough. So it's, it's, again, important to talk to people about this, but using language that we know that works versus things that turn people off. I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk about a continuum that we're developing, if that's okay, because it's sure. very appropriate here. 
want you to think about, so in, in this, this applies directly, but I want you to sort of think of a continuum. On the left are animal rights people. And animal rights are not using animals in any way, shape, or form, period. In the middle, the vast majority, 85% of Americans fall into the animal welfare category. That is, is that we can utilize animals as long as the animal doesn't experience undue pain or suffering. Then on that far end is what we call a dominionistic attitude, that we can utilize animals no matter what. And if you think about that, it's, it's incredibly important when you want to talk about the public. Think about some repulsive things that turn people off to hunting. Kill them and grill them. Kill the SOB. If it flies, it dies. I mean, that's, that's repulsive behavior to a, word to a lot of Americans. And it pushes people away from hunting. Think about the far left in terms of, of the anti-hunters themselves, but no use of animals. I mean, literally only about 4 or 5% of Americans don't eat meat. You can't be for animal rights and eat meat. You can't do it. I, I don't know how. You've got to kill an animal to eat it unless they're eating it live. And it's coming out on the other end live, right? So, so Americans really fall on that broad spectrum of animal rights, which very few people live by, animal welfare, which most of us are in, and then the animal um, dominionistic attitude that also pushes people away from the hunting part of things. So it's a good and easy way to think about things that we should do and what we shouldn't do. Animal welfare is where most of us are. We want to utilize animals, but in ways that um, are, are, are humanistic to the animal. This is why we shoot at a range so we don't wound animals. This is why we take good shots. This is why we have legal laws and regulations. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting way to really think about the world and to think about where Americans fall when it comes to the use of animals. And there's, uh, there, there's a definitely a growing block of people who are getting into hunting because they are in that animal affair and they actually want to control where their meat is coming from. So, exactly. So that, that fits into that block on the continuum of right people who, who are, are trying to learn how to hunt to be able to provide the organic meat that of an animal that lived a natural life until its death that they did cleanly and, and quickly and efficiently. Which, so it's just incredibly humane. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly humane. The, the problem on the animal rights and animal welfare issues, and we can move on, but I think it's important, is that what's happening is the animal rights movement is using animal welfare to fund an animal rights agenda. You know, think about commercials that you see for animal rights groups. They never talk about stopping using any kind of meat or shoes. or it, It's always, well, animal welfare. And we fall in that. And, 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 and the majority of Americans do, and we should never lose that. I mean, we need yep. to understand that, that, that Americans support hunting, but killing is a, um, is a big deal. Yep. And so we need to know that we respect that animal and that we care about animals. So the one I struggle with, Mark, is sport, sport hunting. Uh, you know, growing up in an athletic family and playing a lot of sports, to me, there's got to be some sort of ball involved. Or, you know, I don't. I think of hunting as an activity or a culture or a way of life, not as a sport. But yet we often refer to it as sport hunting. Yeah. What we mean is all the things you've just described. We're subsistence. We're you know, recreational, we're, you know, getting out to be fit, you know, all those other mm-hmm. things. Or, you know, and I think it's all the above for folks like Jody and I am probably you. I want to know where my meat comes from. I like venison oh, and yeah. other red meat better than beef. Yep. Uh, it's probably more expensive when you add up all the time and <laughs> it money is. you spend we, out we've, there. We've calculated, it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, I know where my meats come from. I yep. process my own animals. I do all my cooking at home. I, I don't have to worry about antibiotics and, 
you know, where that animal or what it was treated like. I know it lived a pretty dang good life up until I chose to take it. It did. And, and think about the, the evolution of that word, sport hunting. Sport hunting actually came from the differentiation of sport hunting to market hunting. And at that time, it had Sportsmen, a very different yep. meaning, meaning. And so now, though, people think of sport as um, for fun almost or animal cruelty, yes. that, to killing an animal for fun. Yeah, and so, so it, it's, it, what that word meant 100 years ago, sport hunting, that we've maintained in some camps now means something different and is not as supportive. But it as goes it was. to that side. It's sportsmanship. Sportsmanship is relevant in sports yeah. that we have. But that's the concept of being a sportsman, being the ethical person, exactly. the having the values and doing it the right way. A good sportsman in sports plays by the rules, does the right thing. A good sportsman in hunting plays by the rules, yeah, has the ethics, the fair chase, yeah. um, respects the game. So it's so exactly. it's important to make that connection of what. Sport hunting is sportsmanship. It's sport being ethical. I just recently read something on how we, why we use the term game, and that goes way back to, I guess, you know, Northern European and the way that they classified animals and all that. But that's a side. Um, so what else are we learning out there? I mean, so, so actually, I want to go back to one thing where you're talking about the continuum of animal, animal welfare. I, I was, it made me think about, you know, that, that they don't, hunters don't care about the animals. They're killing for killing. And I'm thinking about the hours I've ever spent hunting out in the field and how much I'm watching the, the birds. You know, I'm watching the other animals out there that I don't intend to pursue and how much more connection I have with the animals in the full system that we're out there than somebody who is sitting in a couch um, that, that doesn't understand that. And that, to me, has a, a far greater connection to wildlife than a person that's staring out there saying, you know, no, don't touch, don't be out there. And that, that's just a, a picture I had in my head when we were talking about that. Well, most people, I, I love to view wildlife. I've actually written three books on wildlife watching. Um, I, I love to go out and watch wildlife. In fact, uh, when you have a really bad day hunting, just tell people you went out wildlife watching. <laughs> right? but, but the truth is, from a research perspective, hunters know more about wildlife than any other group out there. And the reason why is you're out there a lot. I mean, I've sat through days where you're in a duck blind from before sun goes up until it goes down. You're hunting for maybe, what, 20 or 30 minutes of that? Otherwise, yeah. you're watching all sorts of, yep. quote, non-game species. And so just being out there, understanding your quarry, understanding the habitat requirements of the animals that you hunt is incredibly important. So. Absolutely. Um, hunters know more about wildlife. Um, and again, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's a good thing to, to um, tout from the mountain high because that turns people off. And, um, but, it, but it's true. Research yeah. shows that that's true. Yeah. So we, just to, one of the things I wanted you specifically is a lot of our folks have these conversations or, or see it on social media or get involved in it in comments on social or with their mm -hmm. neighbor at a, at, a, uh, at a dinner party. Do you, you've come up with some things that definitely work mm -hmm. and resonate with people who may be on the fence or, or may yep. not have a position that can help you know, make them understand your perspective and things that really don't. Mm -hmm. Can you give them some insight and that might be able to help them in those conversations? Absolutely. Um, things that I'll say, I'm going to boil it down to three big picture items that people should emphasize. But it came from a major research study that we did. Um, we looked at 82 different arguments, both pro and against hunting. And we asked about 14,000 Americans in a scientific That's survey. That's a lot. It's a lot of people. It's a huge study. That's a lot. Um, um, what they um, thought about various pro or anti-hunting arguments. 
and it boiled down to really three. We've already talked about one. Hunting is a food source. Um, it's really hard for anybody to say or criticize something that involves eating meat. The reason why is, again, only about 4 or 5% of Americans don't eat meat, and a lot of those people don't eat meat for health reasons, not for animal rights reasons. So, so you know, hunting as a food source is an incredibly important and powerful argument, and it's really hard to argue with. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to argue somebody's eating a cheeseburger or something else and saying, well, why do you hunt? Well, because I really like to eat the meat, and it's not full of those antibiotics that you're Cause, eating. Because that cheeseburger I eat, I know exactly where it came yep. from. Um, hunting as an individual right, um, that's a very powerful motivator in American society that you have rights, that I have rights, that we can't take those away from each other. In fact, the study that we just finished with the National Shooting Sports Foundation on a slightly different topic on gun ownership also showed those rights being incredibly mm. powerful and important. Do you see that in other countries? Um, no, no. Actually, in, in some countries... It, the research that I talk about is, is we, we do, we've done research around the world in 15 different countries. I'm going back to Africa. We've done um, work in a lot of different places, but it's very different. And so everything I talk about now is related to American society. I mean, even simple things when we talk about being credible. I mean, one of the most, who would you guess is the most credible spokesperson for hunting and wildlife conservation? Biologists. Biologists or a game warden in uniform. Now, when I went to Germany... <laughs> And I talked to a group about this issue, and I said, in America, it's having a uniform on. And they looked at me and said, it won't work here. <laughs> so there's cultural differences. So, so great point, but that's in America is that um, individual right. And then finally, hunting is a form of wildlife management. Is that, again, most people don't understand the history of wildlife management. I mean, think about all, and, and we know this. It's, we've talked about it for, for years, about if a species is hunted and is a popular hunting species. There's no problem with those populations. Deer, turkey, I mean, just on and on and on. Those are wildlife management success stories. Things like songbirds, things we also care about and contribute to our quality of life, are declining Benefit, yeah. pretty darn yeah. dramatically. Yeah. And why is that? Because we have the money and the resources to do something about. I, don't, I never try to talk politics, but I'm convinced in 10 or 20 years, if a wildlife biologist becomes president, it could be one of the greatest presidents around because there you go, Jody. He, he or she it. could be one working on a budget and within budget knows what to do and has success stories. So yeah. yeah, biologists are pretty incredible people. The whole wildlife management field has brought back these species that we, we hunt. Right. Now we need to, to expand that model to all wildlife. Yep. Are a couple of messages that you found particularly not useful. Yeah, um, I, I can recall one that, that sometimes I hear people say, but um, there's one that, that, that man has dominion over animals, that it's in the Bible that we should um, actually have um, dominion over animals and that gives us a right to hunt. People are like, yeah, you know. So, so a lot of those arguments don't really work as much as anything that ties into food source, individual rights, or um, a form of wildlife okay. management. Good to know. And so um, we can certainly talk about and get into anybody who's listening um, the report itself, and they can go through literally the 82 arguments. They might look down and say, wow. I've used really, that one. I Oops. use that. It, it's just really not <laughs> resonating as much. Well, that's good. So how could they find that? Where, where would they be able to get that information? Um, they can, we, can po we post it on our website Which at is? responsivemanagement.com. Okay. www.responsivemanagement.com. Okay. And a number of organizations that you work with, National Shooting Sports Foundation, um, yeah. the uh, Association 
Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, um, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and others are, yeah. are partnered or, or, or funded you to do some of these studies. They may have some of your research up as well. Oh, absolutely. Yep. yep. And I'm proud to say over the past 30 years, we've worked for every single state fish and wildlife agency, every single federal natural resource agency, and, and every single sportsman's and conservation organization, you know, larger conservation sportsman's organization. That's outstanding. So. Well, Mark, I know that, that Jody and I and a lot of other folks that work with and for MDF use your information. It's great stuff, and, and thank you for that. So what's, what's, what are you working on right now? <laughs> well, we're continuing with the, with the hunting information. Um, it's really important to do the research. In fact, what we've done with the research has been quite interesting. We have done the research, but research alone doesn't do anything if it doesn't get out there. And so um, last May, we partnered with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, mm -hmm. and we had a workshop. It was sold out within literally a day or two. Um, for people to come and hear from um, the experts about this research. Yep. And we're a research firm, so we actually partnered with um, some professors from Cornell University. Cornell's considered the number one debate team in the U.S. If you want to win a national championship in football, I love this. go to Clemson, you know, go to LSU, go to Alabama. Never get in an argument with someone from Cornell because right, <laughs> they're they're really good. That's coming from a Yale, me. Yeah. So, you know, it's like don't argue with a, with a Cornell guy. But, we, but these guys are great. Sam Nelson um, is considered one of the best. And he worked with us, and he looked at the research, and he said, well, you need to do this. You need to say this. And so now you're asking me about what we're going to be doing. Now we're bringing this research to the, the public and to hunters and to wildlife professionals. I can say this to you because I've known you guys for forever. Um, but now we need to bring it out to right. the people who are listening to say, look, when you get into a, quote, debate or somebody – wants to talk to you about hunting there are things you can do and there's things you you shouldn't do what what you shouldn't rise to the bait and to <laughs> one, of, one of the most important ones that i think that i've seen is is simply talking about hunting we talked about support for hunting and we looked at a lot of variables you know men are more likely than women to support hunting um, whites are more likely than non-whites yeah rural are more likely than non-rural and sometimes I joke and I say how much money do you pay me to say white rural males are more supportive of hunting <laughs> you know but you know what's at the very top of that list what would you guess is at the very top not white rural male women knowing a hunter oh. Oh. knowing yeah. a hunter if you know a hunter you are much more likely to support hunting than someone who doesn't. Hmm. And so there's a because bunch of ramifications. Because it's not the boogeyman on the corner. It's, it's not. It's, oh, I know Uncle Buck. He's a good guy. He hunts. Yeah. Well, we see that with wildlife management, too. You think, you know, a, a, a deer is nice and pretty till it eats your garden that you spent. You that know. is. Isn't that true? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so we encourage people to talk about hunting and to show that human side of hunting and, and to share their stories. Most importantly, share your meat. Share your meat with people. I've got... Got a freezer full of, of bear meat. So just every once in a come over to my house and eat some bear or eat some goose or, or eat caribou. But share that meat, and you can you can do things to increase support for. I've honey. heard that referred to as venison diplomacy. <laughs> I love it. I never I like it. I've never heard that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one from you. That's, that's a fine. that's a good one. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Um, truly, uh, well, there, there's very few that have been such an innovator in the field of bringing in the human dimensions of, of wildlife conservation and, and making it mainstream and really putting it into, you know, what, what biologists are learning as they're coming through and then having to practice. Um, so so we appreciate your groundbreaking work and the, everything you've done, and it has certainly helps to communicate what we all do in a better way. So Yeah, for our listeners out there, you know, this is a complicated subject, hunting. How we feel about it is personal. 
And I'm glad, you know, researchers like yourself are providing us with the data that, you know, allows us to see things a little bit differently, gives us the good things we should be doing, but also advises us on the bad. And, you know, hopefully we're communicating that well. As biologists and wildlife managers, oftentimes we can talk to ourselves pretty easy, but we can't talk to the general public. We, we can't talk to the public, and, and we're also offended when people attack hunting. Because if people are against hunting, and let's say you're at a, at a, I don't know, a dinner party or just a cocktail, and you have a colleague or someone else, a neighbor who doesn't hunt, if they start talking about anti-hunting concepts, we, we tend to become too self-defensive. We think that it's attacking Person. us personally, not just the, the act of hunting. And so right away, we're on the defensive, and we become... Not very good debaters because we think it's personal. And what we have to do first off is if you hear that, it's like, okay, I get it. But, hey, here's why I hunt. Not, it, it make it, it's okay to make it personal. And, well, here's why I do it. And I love to eat meat. And, and, and it's, 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 it's an individual right that we don't think people should take um, that right away from us. It's, it's an important form of wildlife management. And so there, there's some key things to do. The one key thing is not to be too self-defensive and not to feel that you're personally being attacked, but that you want to talk to people about the benefits of it. And, and, and I think that can go manage a really long Manage the emotions, um, but show the personal emotion. So manage the emotion of anger, <laughs> but show how, how fundamentally important this is to you as a person. Um, yes. And, and, and that, that passion will resonate across to somebody. They'll understand that it is part of who you are. Yep. And understand that when you get on an online argument in a there's comment no section, there's no win. There's no win. It's, and, it's you know, very it, rare yeah. that that it, is a success. That, yeah. Don't even that. start. I <laughs> well, we do. <laughs> Some people do. There are well, people that are trained to do well, it. Yeah. And, and I was gonna, I, I mean, we do a lot of, of online public forums for a lot of the state mm -hmm. agencies. If they're making a new strategic plan, um, we did one down in North Carolina where they were considering um, Sunday hunting. We were doing one in Oregon on their big game management. And we do online forums because a lot of people can't come to public meetings because they, they're far and wide. And those things, sometimes they start out very good, and then they just degenerate. Mm -hmm. Well, you said this. You said that. Well, you're uh, stupid. You're stupid. And, wow. um, <laughs> and that's not a good way to go. But if we can, in that case, stick to the facts. And there's, there's other things that we can do better on the web, too. One of them that... You know, we don't, you, you don't, you want to be really careful about what you post. Mm -hmm. You don't want to post bloody shots. You know, this goes back to that animal rights, animal welfare, dominionistic attitude. If people peg you as being dominionistic, they're going to be turned off to hunting. Right. If you're over an animal and it's bloody and you're not just respecting that and animal. And you're popping a beer. Yeah. <laughs> that, that plays into their hands. And that, you know, most hunters, you, did you know that most hunters, about 95% of hunters pray for what they kill right after they do it? I do it. Yeah. I bet you guys do. I bet yeah. you sit down way, and yeah. you kneel and, and you do something to respect that animal. Most people don't know that. Thank them. Yeah. 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 And, so, and, and Native Americans did yeah. it and, and cultures all the way back and we still do it. We, I bet we don't talk about it. About that and those are the kind of things that we need to talk about yeah. show respect for that animal show respect for the meat show respect for the culture show respect for populations as a whole i heard uh cj buck who is a board member of ours um, and worked with boone and crockett club on their hunt fair chase a couple of years ago he mentioned something that that really resonated with me he's he says as a company i protect my brand my brand is who i am my company is 
as hunters, we need to protect our brand. Yep. We need to show ourselves in a positive light when it's in a public forum that other people can respond to. If you're just showing your buddies that understand that, that's one thing. But as soon as it's on a public forum that anybody can see immediately, that that impacts not just your personal brand, but hunting in general. It goes back to what Steve said at the very beginning. It's not what you say. It's what people hear. Mm-hmm. And that can be true with images as well. It might, might appeal to you and your buddies. But, yeah, that non-hunter. And this stuff's important. I mean, yep. I mean, what non-hunters think of hunting is really important. And, and, and if we ignore that, they can do things that will affect all hunters and wildlife conservation. So yep. it really is important because it protects literally everything else. We're in pretty good shape now. There's some weak spots. Those weak spots are being attacked. We need to be better communicators. We need to become better debaters. And that information is is. is slowly becoming available outstanding well the, a quote i like to use uh when i'm teaching young hunters and, and young professionals is we reserve the right to be smarter tomorrow so what you do gives us the ability to be smarter tomorrow and the way we work with people and the way we communicate with people and 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 i think that's extremely important and if folks just think about it and oftentimes i mean when you get into social media the emotions get going and you know that there's no consequence of what you say Think about what you're saying. Is that something you'd want your kids to see you saying? Or your best friend or your mother? Um, Yep, your spouse, your grandmother. I wish I could remember who it was. There's a great quote. I think it was Roosevelt who said, I don't measure myself against another man, but what I used to be. Hmm. I think that's that's important. Mark, thank you for the work you do. Thank Thank you you for spending a little bit of time with us here today. We hope our listeners can get some some use out of this and share this with their friends to help them to think about uh, how they present what it is that they love. Um, thank you for all you do. Uh, until yeah. next time, this is Jody Stemler. And I'm Steve Belinda, and thank you for talking Mule Deer. Thanks for talking Mule Deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talking Mule Deer.